Petit devant noble marquis or count. Oh, Bebo had a keen sense of humor, and it was well worth hanging round that west barricade in order to see him catch an aristo in the very act of trying to flee from the vengeance of the people. Sometimes Bebo would let his prey actually out by the gates, allowing him to think for the space of two minutes at least that he really had escaped out of Paris and might even manage to reach the coast of England in safety. But Bebo would let the unfortunate wretch walk about ten meters toward the open country, then he would send two men after him and bring him back, stripped of his disguise. Oh, that was extremely funny, for as often as not, the fugitive would prove to be a woman, some proud marquise, who looked terribly comical when she found herself in Bebo's clutches after all, and knew that a summary trial would await her the next day, and after that, the fond embrace of Madame la Guillotine. No wonder that on this fine afternoon in September, the crowd round Bebo's gate was eager and excited. The lust of blood grows with its satisfaction. There is no satiety. The crowd had seen a hundred noble heads fall beneath the guillotine today. It wanted to make sure that it would see another hundred fall on the morrow. Bebo was sitting on an overturned and empty cask close by the gate of the barricade. A small detachment of citizen soldiers was under his command. The work had been very hot lately. Those cursed aristos were becoming terrified and tried their hardest to slip out of Paris. Men, women, and children whose ancestors, even in remote ages, had served those traitorous Bourbons, were all traitors themselves and right food for the guillotine. Every day Bebo had had the satisfaction of unmasking some fugitive royalists and sending them back to be tried by the Committee of Public Safety, presided over by that good patriot, Citoyen Fouquier-Tinville. Robespierre and Danton both had commended Bibo for his zeal, and Bibo was proud of the fact that he, on his own initiative, had sent at least fifty aristos to the guillotine. But today all the sergeants in command at the various barricades had had special orders. Recently a very great number of aristos had succeeded in escaping out of France and in reaching England safely. There were curious rumors about these escapes. They had become very frequent and singularly daring. The people's minds were becoming strangely excited about it all. Sergeant Gropierre had been sent to the guillotine for allowing a whole family of aristos to slip out of the north gate under his very nose. It was asserted that these escapes were organized by a band of Englishmen, whose daring seemed to be unparalleled and who, from sheer desire to meddle in what did not concern them, spent their spare time in snatching away lawful victims destined for Madame la Guillotine. These rumors soon grew in extravagance. There was no doubt that this band of meddlesome Englishmen did exist. Moreover, they seemed to be under the leadership of a man whose pluck and audacity were almost fabulous. Strange stories were afloat of how he and those aristos whom he rescued became suddenly invisible as they reached the barricades and escaped out of the gates by sheer supernatural agency. No one had seen these mysterious Englishmen. As for their leader, he was never spoken of save with a superstitious shudder. Citoyen Fouquier-Tinville would in the course of the day receive a scrap of paper from some mysterious source. Sometimes he would find it in the pocket of his coat. At others it would be handed to him by someone in the crowd while he was on his way to the sitting of the Committee of Public Safety. The paper always contained a brief notice that the band of meddlesome Englishmen were at work and it was always signed with a device drawn in red, a little star-shaped flower, 
which we in England call the Scarlet Pimpernel. Within a few hours of the receipt of this impudent notice, the citizens of the Committee of Public Safety would hear that so many royalists and aristocrats had succeeded in reaching the coast and were on their way to England and safety. The guards at the gate had been doubled, the sergeants in command had been threatened with death, while liberal rewards were offered for the capture of these daring and impudent Englishmen. There was a sum of five thousand francs promised to the man who laid hands on the mysterious and elusive Scarlet Pimpernel. Everyone felt that Bebo would be that man, and Bebo allowed that belief to take firm root in everybody's mind. And so, day after day, people came to watch him at the West Gate, so as to be present when he laid hands on any fugitive aristo who perhaps might be accompanied by that mysterious Englishman. Fa, he said to his trusted corporal, Citoyen Gros-Pierre was a fool.